the final week of the 2020 season, which has been a weird season, I guess in a lot of ways, it's good to draw a line under it. But it's the Tour Championship at Eastlake, top 30 in the field. And Elk, this is when it gets a little bit interesting, making your picks. Yeah, well, you know, it's an interesting week for, for a number of reasons. Um, of course, there's so much money at stake, $15 million to the winner, $5 million for the second place. I guess the strange thing about this week, Diane, is that only about eight guys have a chance to win the FedEx Cup. So, okay, yeah, that's that's dramatic and that's fun to watch. And all the good players are up on the top. You know, Rahm and Dustin Johnson are fighting it out for number one. Justin Thomas, who's been hot this year. They're all up there. Morikawa, Bryson DeJambeau. But it's sort of anticlimactic to me a little bit because a lot of the guys, even though they're going to make a ton of money this week, they're not really in this event. Yeah. Well, last place makes $400,000, so I don't feel sorry for them whatsoever. And we were talking about this earlier, that the perks that come with getting in the top 30 are better than ever right now because they get access to the majors, the WGCs, obviously job security. And with the pandemic, they now get a place at Kapalua in the Tournament of Champions at the start of the year. So getting into the top 30 is very lucrative anyway. And the fact that last place gets just shy of half a million, which is crazy, crazy <laughs> to think of it like that. But, you know, as you say, we're really looking, when we looked at the field this week, we kind of split it into two, first of all the bottom 15 and the top 15. And then we split that top 15 into two sections too because it's staggered scoring this week. So before anyone's even hit a ball, Dustin Johnson starting on 10 under par and John Ram on eight under. Justin Thomas on seven under works down. We'll talk about that as we go. But you said something to me yesterday that really made a lot of sense in my head that you have to treat this almost like a five day tournament. Yeah, a lot of people at the club have been come up to me, Diane, and go and asking me not only who I think is going to win the tournament, but what's the format? I mean, yeah. the, the PGA Tour, for all of its hard work and what it's done, it still hasn't got this thing super clear and how you win it. Um, so there is a staggered start this week. <clears throat> Dustin Johnson starts as 10 under, as you noted, all the way down to the 30th guy starts at even part. I tell everybody, look, Pretend it's a five-round tournament. They play the first round today. Mm -hmm. And when they start tomorrow, Dustin Johnson shot a 62, 10 under. Rahm shot a 64, 8 under. Dustin Thomas shot a 65, all the way down to these guys to start even. So they basically start tomorrow, round one, with all this in the bank. That's such a good way to think about it. And of course, it is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Labor Day, Monday finish for the Tour Championship this year. So there's so many things that are a little bit out of the ordinary this week. And we did our show on Sports Grid on Wednesday. We really tried to break it all down. We've re-ranked the field as we always do, looking at the skill set required to do well on the course. But then there was other things we had to throw in, of course, you know, the fact where this where the guys lay in the top 30, the scoring, all of that. So this week, it was a little bit harder for us to handicap. But on the other hand, maybe it was easier, you know? I think it actually was easier because, Diane, with the 10 up, when Dustin Johnson starts the lead at 10 under, and for anyone listening to this, it'll be hard to disagree with this theory that with Dustin Johnson starting at 10 under, Mm -hmm. And John Rahm starting at eight under. Those two guys are number one, number two in the world. They're both highly motivated right now. Of course, Dustin Johnson just won 30 under. 
John Rahm won last week with one of the most dramatic long putts in a playoff, beating Dustin Johnson. So they're both really hot. Does anyone think those two guys are going to tank it this week at, at uh, Eastlake? Yeah. I just don't think I tank, they're going to tank it. One of them's going to stay up there and keep going, which means everybody else has to chase and catch up to that almost insurmountable lead that they've already been given to start with and rightly so earned. So as you noted, Diane, we cut 15 guys straight out of it. They can't, they can't catch them. Then we took the top 15 and we actually cut eight of those guys out of it. So realistically for us, we've got seven guys that I think mathematically and everything that we put into it, the template of the golf course experience, what their mindset is, seven guys we think have a chance to win. And with Ram and DJ, between the two of them, there's only a two-shot swing. And that's nothing. And we saw it last year when it was the first year of this new scoring system so that there was going to be one winner on the final day of the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup. And last year, Justin Thomas started on minus 10. And I remember being there and thinking, like, this is so weird. So weird that he's starting with such a lead, but surely there's no way that he's going to lose this. And he did. And almost immediately, things started to really level out. But as you say, the form of DJ and John Ram right now, you just can't see either of them losing it. Yeah, I mean, you said it right. Justin Thomas last year blew up early in the week and uh, he didn't actually let everybody in. He let in Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy, which were sitting right there anyway. So, look, let's be real here. These guys are... You know, when we take all their statistics, they've got statistics and history for a reason. And the best players have a tendency for the big cash, they rise to the occasion. Uh, I listened to a, a, a Pat Perez talking to Ryan Palmer, and they were talking about Ryan Palmer. What would it be like if a miracle hit at his spot down there about 22? You know, that the players, Diane, nobody knows more than the players. And they know their odds sitting in the locker room are so minuscule, the guys that are outside of, say, the top 10 players. Yeah. And when we look at the bottom half, there's one name that jumps out to me and he snuck on in there at number 30. Um, he was playing with Cody Connors, who bought like three putted from five feet on 18. And that meant that Billy Horschel jumped up into the 30th spot. He's won here before in 2014. He's playing some phenomenal golf right now. He's kind of got this like whole new resurgence. You can tell that he's super confident to get that 30 place. He's going out there and giving it 100%. He knows the course well. He's won here before. So I think if you're looking for someone in that bottom 30 that could actually like make a miracle happen, it may be Billy Horschel. Well, of course, you know, just because we say that the top seven, the winner will come out of the top seven, it doesn't mean there's still some good value across the board of if players are trying to, you know, have a have a match with their friends or they're talking about how to, who should they put their money on for a one-day round? I mean, We've got like Webb Simpson up there who actually owns the, the lowest stroke average for the, for the whole PGA Tour. So, you know, um, you know, we try to create value by re-ranking our teams or re-ranking our field. By that, we mean that they may come into the event uh, in a certain world ranking or FedEx Cup, but we throw all that out the window and we take the historical data that's required this week at um, East Lake is a very familiar location has been played there for a number of years there's no mystery for these players in fact guys like Corin Morikawa who's right up there won the PGA and won the workday this year we've actually pulled him down a little bit why would we do that 
he doesn't have any experience at East Lake. Do you really think Colin Morikawa can go into the middle of Atlanta and catch up five or six strokes on guys that have played this particular event four or five times? They know all the little subtleties. They know what the, this putt does that. We know how to hit that fairway. I know exactly what club that one plays half a club uphill. All that, Diane, is, is so important when it comes to experience. And um, talking of like someone like Colin Morikawa, he is starting in a great position. I mean, he's fifth in the FedEx Cup ranking, so he's starting on five under par, five shots back. He won the PGA Championship a few weeks ago. It's his rookie year on tour, so to be like, well, he's won twice this season. Three, well, no, three times. Three-time winner with one of them being a major, and he makes it all the way to the Tour Championship. I mean, it's unbelievable it had to be like exceeding all expectations he would have had going into this year but I'm sure he's just like first of all so happy to be there but then just going out to give it 110 percent yeah and I was talking I had a conversation last night with some friends that I was talking about uh, two players that have emerged this year that are both in the top seven this week which is Colin Morikawa and Alexander Shoffley your pick this week who plays particularly well at Eastlake he's already won the tournament there before and Diane, these two guys, to me, um, okay, they're not huge guys. They're, they're, they're 5'10", 5'11", sort of the same size as Tom Watson or someone like that. But they're sort of throwback guys. They, they're not going for tons of distance. They're, they've got very precise swings. They're winning the tournaments with accuracy and precision. Mm-hmm. Nothing was more obvious than Morikawa when he took on all the big guns on Sunday at the PGA. And then when it come down to hitting the, the most critical shot, he hit a driver, Diane, on the 16th hole, the 70th, uh, 70th hole of the PGA to like six feet from the flag with a driver on a par four. Very precise, very swing orientated, very ball control orientated. Not everybody's going for distance. So this week's a very, very important week for these guys. Justin Thomas is another one. As you say, I'm big on Xander. You're big on JT. And as we said last year, he had the number one position. So he started on 10 under par and threw it away. But I think Justin Thomas plays better when he's chasing. And he's definitely, he's on seven under to start. So he's one behind Ram, two behind DJ. I think nobody is going to have more fire in their belly than Justin Thomas. Well, he's a natural-born leader. Imagine being coached by your father, and your father goes with you on tour. I mean, what a dream thing to have! You know, they very efficient. Those two working together. He got to go home and see his dad. He, he, I saw on Instagram that they were working on a couple of things. But Justin Thomas is my pick this week, Diane. He has a little bit unfinished business there at Eastlake. He's finished in the top six, I think, the last four years. As you noted, he was leader last year. But there's one particular stat that we've taken, you know, five really important stats this week, but there's one that stands out to me. And the reason I have Justin Thomas as my favorite a number of weeks back when he won in Memphis, I picked him uh, not to win, but he was up in our sizzler move to because of this one stat and that's proximity to the hole from 125 to 150 yards. He ranks number one mm-hmm. on the whole PGA tour from that distance. He has this beautiful soft, arm swing that he's been working on and there's about 10 of those shots this week so when you think of 10 10 10 that's 40 strokes over the course of the week and you're the best at it that's why I pulled him up to number one now in comparison to that Diane John Rahm who is a lot of people's favorite in that same exact stat 
he is 189th in proximity to the hole. So when you break it all down and you look at it, Diane, like we do, what separates these guys? And it can be the smallest stat. Rory McIlroy won last year. So he won the Tour Championship, the FedEx Cup, and that $15 million. We've had, I mean, when we've done our re-ranking, which we'll go through, we have him in at number six. He is number 12 in the FedEx Cup ranking. So Rory's starting on three under. But the big question mark over him was he said that his wife was expecting and due any day. And if he was on the course and got the call, he was going to leave. But we just found out this morning, in fact, that she has given birth. So little Poppy McElroy is here. But will he definitely play? We don't know yet. Uh, his daughter must be a golfer because she knew to have <laughs> to arrive before the tournament starts. I can tell you from my experience, it was the greatest day of my life when my daughter was born and I went off to the Masters and I finished third in the Masters. I don't know what's going to happen with Rory, but he's he's admittedly so, been a little bit uh, treading water or not being able to get himself motivated. Well, all that's over with now. Yeah. It's going to be tough. I'll, I'll give you both sides of the equation. It's going to be tough for Rory to leave that little baby today and go and try to get right into the competition tomorrow or... He goes and he's just so ecstatic about everything, getting updates, looking at Zoom when he gets in with the baby. He could just yeah. do what he did last year. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how to handicap that. We, we said earlier in the week yeah. we, couldn't, we couldn't pick him because he had one eye on the golf course and one ear on his cell phone. But now, as you say, well, he hasn't practiced. It's not like he's been at Eastlake getting prepared. So he would be going in pretty cold. And the tournament does start tomorrow. So uh, no official announcement from him. And we'll have to wait and see. So let's run through our, I mean, the bottom 15, we'll kind of like leave them right now in that the we've, we bumped Billy Horschel up to number 16. So coming in at 30, he's like the top of the bottom 15, so to speak. Um, and then I'm going to look at our SG Tour re-ranking from 15 and, upwards. And by the way, we are not discrediting these players. We're okay. saying to you, they're starting this tournament at even par. Dustin Johnson and John Rahm are up here at 10 and 8. We say mathematically they can't shoot good enough to catch them because we don't believe that Dustin Johnson and John Rahm are going to come backwards. Yeah. That's what we're, that's what we're saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then also let's talk about the skill set, the stats that we looked at in relation to Eastlake, because that's how we do all this. We always look at the five most important stats to play well on the course, and then we link them up with the individual player stats. And we've added in a few different things, as I said, for this week. But um, yeah, do you want to run through those? Yeah, we have. Uh, well, we all know at Eastlake, you've got to drive it good. There's a lot of shots at Eastlake that go over these crests of hills. You don't really know exactly where the edges of the fairways are. So the guys, uh, you know, they're hitting over things. There's sweeping dog legs. So it's not the easiest course. So driving is very important. Uh, there is two and a half inches of rough of Bermuda grass, Diane, which is like twice the depth of the golf ball. Not enough to just have to chop it out. Not too much to just chop it out. But what happens with two and a half inches of Bermuda, Diane, is you're able to go for it, but you have no control over the ball. It just comes out like crazy. And now it's just a, you know, it's a, it's hard to, hard to score that way. The second one we took was par three efficiency from 175 to 200 yards. 
we saw the, the tournament used to be, Diane, finish on a par three, a very long par three. They flipped the nines so that now you finish on a par five. There's a lot of tough shots on the par threes at Eastlake. So who cruises through those? Who just breezes through that 200-yard range where it's just an easy shot and onto the next hole? That's important. We talked about already approach to the pin from 125 to 150 yards. You already know where I stand on that one, Diane. <laughs> Uh, the third one is scrambling. What happens? They are going to hit it in the rough. What happens when they do? They're going to have to hack it up next to the green. And can they get it up and down? And, of course, the last one is putting. Uh, we've also taken experience. We've also put in current form. We've put in the stroke average. So just to give you an example, Webb Simpson, who has an incredible um, amount of stats going this year, he's number one on the whole PGA Tour for his uh, – uh, stroke average, Diane. Let me give you the number. Every time he tees it up, he averages 68.866 per round. Wow. So even if, and, and, and the number one at number at 10 under start is Dustin Johnson. He is a 69.4. Even if, the, if, if they just went out and did everything that they did normally each day, they still don't catch Dustin Johnson. That's how tight it is at the top. So what is going to separate them? It's going to be attitude. It's going to be these stats. All these things have to be taken into consideration. Isn't it funny? And we've been saying, you've been saying this for such a long time, that Webb Simpson's kind of like the forgotten about man. We haven't talked about him. And I was thinking about this, you know, uh, we both do a little bit on Sports Grid shows. Um, you're doing it on Friday morning. Yesterday I was on. They didn't ask me about Webb Simpson once. I've obviously been on social media so much. There's no talk of him. It's so strange when you say he's got the best stroke average on tour for the season. We have him at number three in our re-ranking. He's number four in the FedEx Cup ranking. He skipped the BMW last week because he was so confident that a rest week was going to be way more important to him than going out there and, what, he fell down one spot. So why are we not talking about him more? Well, I think... Um... He hurt himself last week. He got it. He stepped out of the limelight for a second to skip last week. Uh, I don't know if that's a good decision. I wouldn't have done that. I think it's important to the tour and important to the sponsors to show up when you're that good a player. Yeah. Imagine Jack Nicholas or Lee Trevino or Tom Watson not showing up because they were ranked way up there and they wanted to rest. You know, the interesting thing about Webb is one of the things I admire about Webb Simpson is he doesn't change his stuff. He hasn't gone after distance. He's one, he's, not, he's one of the shorter hitters on the tour. He has a ladies' bag set of clubs, and by that I mean, Diane, he admitted himself his longest iron in the bag is a five iron. He has all these different hybrids. It's not a very manly bag, and you know what? He doesn't care. <laughs> he has the best set of stats I've seen on the PGA Tour in a long time. I mean, it's amazing across the board. So where is he this week? Okay, so he said he was going to rest. He's coming into East Lake tremendously. He knows he's got to win the tournament to win the whole thing. Can he do it? I don't know. He's left a lot on the table. What He, he may be rested, but what he didn't account for was the number one and number two, Dustin Johnson and, and John Rahm, having this much momentum, and they've gone through the gauntlet of playing a super difficult course. So when they get in a little bit of trouble this week, it's going to be just like last week. Uh -huh. So they're sort of programmed to to get out of trouble like they did last week. And also, I think with the two of them, they're they're very different in the way that they express their emotions. 
that the emotion that we saw from DJ when he sunk that putt to make it into the playoff was the most emotion I think I'd ever seen from him. Ram, we know he's very emotional, whether it's if he hits a bad shot, we know about it. When he celebrated making that enormous putt to win the playoff and to win the BMW, I mean, you see just how much it means to him. But I think the two of them are eyes on each other and it's going to be a battle between the two of them. And how perfect, it's number one and number two. Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect setup for the tour. Imagine John Rahm last week being on the... Um, waiting on the practice fairway to see if Dustin Johnson was going to make that long putt, knowing that he had a stroke penalty the day before. And when Dustin made that long putt, they went into a playoff. Could you imagine the trapdoor in your brain that he had to slam shut saying, you know what, I'm going to lose this playoff. And it's going to be because I picked up my ball last week and it's just going to be terrible for me. But he slammed that door shut somehow, Diane, and made the most incredible putt on, on, uh, on that playoff hole. Yeah. I think, um, as I said, as I said, you know, the winner will come out of these top seven, just mathematically. They're just so good. They're going, they're going to play so well this week. I'm, I'm predicting there's a couple of other guys you haven't mentioned on there that will factor into this. Let's, uh, let's talk about who you got there on number four. Number four in our re-ranking, Daniel Berger. And it's funny to think, well, he came out and he won right out of the gate after the break from golf, the Charles Schwab at Colonial. And since then, he hasn't slowed down. It, it's almost like it came out of nowhere. He had been injured. He just kind of disappeared for a little while. And even when he was playing, he just wasn't a name that was up there in contention. And that guy has put together an unbelievable season since the restart. And if you look at his stats, number one in scrambling, it just kind of says it all. It really does. And what number one in scrambling means, Diane, that if you're having a little bit of an off day and you hit a loose shot up to the green, you know, you miss the green nine in the bunker or anywhere else, He's the best on tour of going up to the green, chipping the ball or playing a shot up to the up to the green and making the putt for a yeah. par. That's what scrambling is called. What that does for your score is amazing. It's almost like when you have a great chipping game, and I've had a great chipping game maybe a couple of weeks in my career, it makes you more aggressive. And when I knew I was chipping well, Diane, I could attack everything because if I just went over and I was in a little funny spot, my chipping was so good, I'm going to get up and down. And we've seen Berger just, he's just been awesome in this in this, uh, in this this playoff series or the whole uh, pandemic area. Remember, it wasn't too many years ago, Diane, when those boys, him, Jordan Spieth, JT, uh, Smiley Kaufman, and Daniel Berger used to go over to the Bahamas yeah. and, and hang out and have a whole lot of fun. And it was kind of like the stepchild was Berger, and Smiley Kaufman and JT. And then at the top of the food train was Jordan Spieth. And now it's flipped. And Ricky Fowler. I mean, we're Ricky Fowler. And some of those guys aren't even here this week. So yeah. everything's changed. It is funny. And just on a bit of a side note, I was talking to my brother, Russell, and he's a member of the Player Advisory Council. And we were just talking about how things are looking for next season because it's the most events they've had in a season since the 70s. And which is great. I mean, as a golf fan, you're like, we're going to have action all the time, but you have to think like the big names that are not in the top 30, like Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Russell was saying, you know, when it comes to sponsors exemptions, 
these guys, I mean, everyone's going for the sponsor's exemptions, but these are the guys that are going to get it because how can you play like a like the Zozo or one of these big events without the likes of Brooks Kepka? It's very draining. You noted that the most tour events are on TV now, Diane, since the 70s, but it's draining the players. Now, the argument would be that let's have a lot of events and let's get all the young guys to play more events. Uh-huh. But here's a... Here's a um, a nightmare uh, this week, which is you've got the top 30 players at Atlanta finishing on a Monday. Next year, Diane, starts next week in Napa, California. I don't think any of these 30 will be going over to play that. Maybe one. Is Cameron Camp in this? Cameron uh, Camp is, yeah. yeah. He's, and Camp. he's 29 in the standings, so... So Cameron Champ will probably leave Atlanta Monday night, if he's lucky, uh-huh. fly to Napa, California, try to defend in two days to start on Thursday, yeah. finish there and fly back to Wingfoot in New York, big distance, getting tested, trying to be rested, all this stuff. It's driving these guys crazy. They're, they're out of their mind because they got $15 million to win. They got to get out there. They got to get points but they want to rest too. And, and someone will say, oh, cry me a river. They're making 15 million. It's just a lot to deal with for them. Well, what Russell said to me was, you know, the top 30, they're probably just going to play the WGC type events. I mean, the China one's been canceled, but, um, and the majors, because you've still got the masters and the US Open to come this year. So he was like, for the rest of us, it's just, it's a battleground for us in that, now the Punta Cana event and the Bermuda event are full FedEx Cup point events, which he said some of the guys weren't all that happy with when they were discussing it, but the tour didn't give them an option to discuss it. It was like... Yeah, the happened. good players didn't want to go down there and play it. Yeah, exactly. But Russell said, you know, for the rest of the guys, he was like, for the peasants, as he called himself, he's like, it's all on the table for us. Fall season, go out there. We didn't have a great year last year. You just have to draw a line under it. And then we're all going to be fighting now for these points. Yeah, and I think um, there will be some sunlight come onto the tour where we will get the fans to come back, hopefully. I haven't heard the official announcements, but I'm hearing rumours about 5,000 or 10,000 and tour comes back to being a little bit more normal. Bottom line is, hasn't changed, Diane, for 40 years being around the tour you got to play good when you get to get a chance, period. Definitely. Right, I'm going to run through who we have um, in our the top seven that we're really kind of looking at for this week. Um, coming in at number seven, Xander Shoffley. You told me I was going out on a very lonely limb when it came to picking Xander to go out and win. But do you know what I will say, and I didn't know this when we talked about it, is that he has the lowest scoring average ever around Eastlake. Yeah, he's got great statistics. He's played great all year. He's fourth in scrambling. He putts good. He drives it straight. Alexander Schauffele is going to be around, in my mind, for 25 years. I just don't think, Diane, and I told you that he's won here. He's got a great record here, but he's got to, to beat Dustin Johnson. He's got to beat him by eight strokes, and that is one shot per nine. Now, you could say, well, Dustin Johnson, he may go blow up, but Alexander cannot blow up. Yeah. He's got... He's got no blow-up room. And then if DJ blows up, is Ram going to blow up too? I mean, yeah. Exactly. Is JT going to blow up? Yeah. Again? 
So. Well, everyone above him. So he's coming in at number seven. Uh, Rory's in at number six on our list with That's a little a bit of a question mark, mark still. Biggest question mark of all because yeah. he won the tournament last year. He's so gifted. He's been so distracted. Okay, he's had his baby. Congratulations. Will he show up? Will he be ready? Where is he? So yeah. we don't know. So I wouldn't, I I'm not going to touch that bet. Yeah. I know. Uh, Justin Thomas coming in at number five. Who's your favorite, as we've talked about? <laughs> and I do think that that JT is a fighter. Like, he wants to be the best. He's got... There's not many guys that you see out there that tee it up every single week that they play. They want to win. And Justin Thomas is that guy. Yeah, exactly. And there's another point in there that... I don't know, Diane. I've never played for $15 million for the winner, and I have no idea what that would feel like. But these guys have—they have played for it. Justin yeah. Thomas has won this, won the FedEx Cup. So, is there is there anything that could be more crazy than for me to say he's used to playing for that kind of money? I mean, he's been there, he's felt it. Yeah. Now, that will have to weigh in as it's coming towards the end of the week. Gosh, fifteen million dollars. <laughs> you could pay your taxes. Put it in the bank and live the rest of your life uh, with your feet up with just one week on the tour. Yeah, there you go. That's what Rory should be doing. If he's lost that spark and the motivation and now he's a new dad, like go and chill out at home with your baby. I would love to see him play this week because as you say, it could be, he could play like completely free and uninhibited and then you never know what magic you're going to get from Rory at that point. He said he was looking for a spark and maybe this is the spark that he needed. That will be a spark. He he still has to beat uh, the the guys by eight strokes. He starts yeah. at minus three, so it's a big ask. But look, Rory McIlroy is so good. Um, we saw it happen last year. He finished up with a big tussle with uh, Brooks Kepka, and everyone thought Brooks was going to overtake him, but Rory, you know, carried it home. Yeah. Um. So yeah, JT at five. Daniel Berger at number four, who we talked about. Webb at three. John Ram at two. And Dustin Johnson is still coming out as number one in our re-ranking. So looking at DJ's stats, um, we touched on the fact that Ram's big stat was the approach from 125 to 150. The big stat for DJ is driving accuracy. He's 98th on the PGA Tour for the season. Yeah, and I wrote on this sheet yesterday when I sort of handicapped myself of what I think about when I'm going to bet or what I'm going to do with it. Dustin Johnson, when even as great a player as he is, he still ranks just barely in the top 100 in driving accuracy. Yeah. Why? And how does he perform doing that? He hits it so far down there, and he's able to hit the short irons on the green. He's fourth in putting, which, look, if Dustin Johnson is fourth in putting, because we always see Dustin Johnson look terrible on the putting, but he's always missing putts. And it's like, oh my God, if this guy could putt, but he's fourth in putting. Um, but when he won two weeks ago, Diane, uh, at 30 under, he drove it great. And what does driving it great mean for Dustin Johnson? He was only in the top 30 for the week. 30 guys or 29 guys still drove it better than Dustin Johnson in Boston. But what did Dustin Johnson do with that one stat? He shot 30 under. He shot he he hit 90% of his greens. He he won the greens in reg by that week by about 12%. So what is it? So I wrote right here in, in little circle. Does does anyone believe that Dustin Johnson will drive it good this week? That's the question. If he drives it good, 
we already know what he does when he gets it in the fairway and he's the number four putter. That's why I'm telling you, I don't think he's coming, going that way. He's going that way. But talking about the driving accuracy, I just look at that top seven and Justin Thomas is 143rd in accuracy. And Rory's 155th. Yes. They've all gone for distance. They've gone for their their theory and Bryson DeChambeau, who... um, who's right close to this list, he's thrown all the cards on the table and said, I am not going to play the golf course the way you're supposed to. I am going to hit it as far as possible down there and I'm going to deal with the rough. Mm-hmm. Well, it worked for him when he did when he won uh, the Rocket uh, Mortgage, a few weeks, uh, Bryson. But we've seen Bryson get off. We've seen him lose his temper. We've seen him go for it too much. He hasn't quite... <laughs> Diane fixed all the throttles yet on this new machine that he's working on. Uh-huh. Okay, well, it'll be fun to see how he uh, attacks Eastlake in that sense. We have Bryson, incidentally, at number 12 in our ranking. He's right um, there. He's eighth in the FedEx Cup ranking. We actually have him as our fizzler on the show this week, just because he has fallen down a bit um, in our re-ranking. And I think that accuracy being such an important... Well, uh, the reason for that, you've got it in front of you. I don't have it. But what's, yeah. what's Bryson's uh, two bad stats there? Well, Accuracy is 149th, but the other one is that approach from 125 to 150 is 165th. We said earlier John Ram was 169th. So, and my guy? Your and my guy, guy is numero uno. <laughs> and my guy, my guy is 28th. <laughs> right in the top 30, which is right. pretty much, pretty much uh, in the top five. Exactly. But what they're telling you about Bryson, uh, Diane, he is going for the distance. He's in the rough a lot. Last week, we noted on this show right here that he hit one fairway. Yeah. One. The first day last week. You can't win anything hitting one fairway. You can't win the club championship hitting one fairway, Diane. Um, and once he gets into the rough, from this short distance, the stats say it, he's not hitting the green. So it's hard work. You even said that I could hit one fairway around you Olympia Fields. I'm easy. I watched it last week. I don't know if I could. I've played it on the PGA 2K21 Xbox game. <laughs> and it's so easy on the computer. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's, true. it's so true. <laughs> um, from the Secret Golf team, we have two of the guys in the field and um we're happy that they're there. They're not, it's a shame that they're not higher in that sense, but whatever. The money, we keep going back to the money, last place and the 400,000. Ryan Palmer is 23 in the FedEx Cup ranking, comes in at 22 in our re-ranking. And Mark Leishman is 25 in the FedEx Cup ranking and he comes in at number 30 in our re-ranking. But he's there. Well, well Mark Leishman has been on a, terrible bender the wrong way there was an argument when the pandemic hit and Leishman uh we you and I were together at the players championship and I think Leishman already shot four under he was the hottest player on the tour he won at Torrey Pines he finished second at Bay Hill he walked right into the players championship and shot four under the first day before they called it by the way, he went back to his home in, in Virginia and they locked it down. I was texting when he didn't get to play golf for like eight weeks. He has come out of this thing terrible. Yeah. However, bottom line is he played good enough to get there, Diane, and he will turn it around and that's the way the golf is going. He's up for it. On the other hand, uh, Ryan Palmer, very proud of him. He uh, is the oldest player in this field. 
And he's yeah, had, by like seven years. It's crazy. Yeah, he's had a tremendous year coming off a year where he had was there was some health issues in his family. They're all behind him, and it's just a relief. And he's playing some of the best golf of his career. It's funny because I watched Ryan Palmer and I'm like, he he is getting younger. Like he you say he's seven years older than the rest of the field. Um, but at the end of the day, you look at him and you're like, he doesn't look it and he certainly doesn't act like it. No, he's a tremendous player. He's, uh, you know, he got beat by his friend, John Rahm up there at uh, Jack's tournament. Uh, they were very close. They played together when they won at uh, New Orleans last year. So Ryan Palmer's not, not unintimidated. It's just, it's just too much to come back from this week to win the 15 mil. Yeah, he's starting on one under, so. All righty. Right, Elk, thank you very much. I'm so excited for it. It's going to be great having a Monday finish. Um, and, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. As we say, we firmly believe that the winner is going to come from the, the top seven in our re-ranking. It could be a battle between number one and number two, and I honestly hope it is. Yes, and we'll see you next year, which will be next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Diane. Thank you.